When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. I'm delighted uh, this morning or this afternoon, James, to be rejoined by your good self after a wee week's break last week. There was quite a lot of Celtic fans taking a, a week's break from Axon last week, and we'll get all the chat around the Champions League campaign. Uh, loads more to talk about, James. Uh, obviously, we have the weekend's action. Massive weekend of football for Celtic. Big, big result. Um, showing the character and everything else that we expect from Angie's team. But today is a special day in that 10 years ago today, we beat the um, apparent best team in the world in Barcelona. That was a decade ago. We'll, have, we'll be touching on that. One of the players in that team, Mikel Lustig, has also announced his retirement. There's a wee bit of transfer news to talk about. Um, loads loads to, to get through today, James, and hopefully Colin Watt will join us at some point as well. Um, I know that you're a much younger man than myself, but uh, that Barcelona game 10 years ago, James, I mean, that that's one that will live long in the memory. What age were you when that happened? Were you about eight or nine? I was nine years old, I think. But I, wow. I knew, I sort of knew the magnitude of the game because you see the players that are on the opposition. You're seeing mm-hmm. players like Messi, Xavi and Esther. These are the sort of players that on the playground at the time, I'm Messi. No, you're Messi, I'm Messi. It's, these are the sort of players everybody wanted to be and to see the team that I grew up loving defeat them with the crowd going absolutely crazy and an 18 year old coming on to score the winning goal it was just absolutely fantastic I can't get, I can't wait to get on to Mikael Lustig as well because that was the team that was a big part of my childhood to the team under yeah. Lennon and Dyla and then Rodgers and Mikael Lustig was one of the cult heroes of that team so he's obviously a player that's quite close to my heart Oh 100% I mean I, I try and think about what would have been my team at that stage as well? Um, and that basically would have been the t- the time that I was watching the the centenary side at that age, you know. And you're looking for quite a bit of your Celtic support in life, James. You're watching a team where all the players are more or less that wee bit older than you. But then you catch up with that average age. You overtake that average age. You then see sons and daughters of footballers you watched breaking through to the Celtic side and, and elsewhere. You know, we've got Rocco Vattel, we've got Mark Burchill's kid uh, playing for the women's team. And it's it's bizarre, mate, because I tell you what, it creeps up on you like this old age thing. But we will talk about the Barca. You mentioned some of the great names that were in that Barcelona side. I was having a wee look at the, t- the, the game again. I've seen it so many times. Um, interestingly enough, on that particular night, we had injuries to Gary Hooper, James Forrest, Scott Brown, and Emilio is a giri. 
So we were actually without those four players and we still went out there and created history. My question to you, and this all ties in with a lot of the Champions League chat that I'm sure we'll dip into over the next hour or so, James. Will we ever see the likes again? I mean, can we? I mean, we've been up against another Spanish giant this season. It's been a different it's been a different tale entirely. Can we go toe-to-toe again with a team like that? Well, there's been teams over years that have proved that it is still possible, but it's going to be extremely difficult. I've always been of the view that with the years that we turn out under Ronnie Dyler, and then going from then onwards, even the years we took out under Brendan Rodgers and Neil Lennon when we went down to the Europa League, football changed so much in those few years. We went from yeah. the biggest transfers being... £80 million, pounds. we take two years out of the Champions League, or whatever it was, PSG have spent £200 million each on two players. And then football started going crazy from then. So all these teams are spending so much money and they've got so much more money. So it'll be very hard to like it, but you've, you've got a dream. You've got a dream big. There's teams that have proved that these results can be gone. I just look at last season, Sheriff got a win away at the Bernabeu. It, anybody can win anything in the Champions League. I love that. You do have to dream because, I mean, even 10 years ago coming up against that Barcelona side, you look at the Celtic bench, it was a weak bench we had that night. And of course, one of the players that came off that bench uh, had a lot to, to say in terms of the outcome of the game. He replaced, Tony Watt replaced none other than Mikel Lustig that night. Uh, that's who went off. Lustig being, as you quite rightly said, a cult player among Celtic fans. For different reasons to the player that I would refer to as being a cult player in my team, my centenary team, the cult player was Anton Rogan. Why was he a cult player? He was one of the guys, James, and your old man will have told you this, that you know, he would run through a brick wall for you. He was one of those old-fashioned players, not particularly blessed with all the natural ability in the world, but he always gave you that 100% that uh, you demand of every player, but you don't always get it. Lustig had a wee bit more about him, didn't he? I mean, he won, what was it, 96 caps for Sweden. Um, 94 it was, 94 caps for Sweden. Just retiring this week at the age of 35. He was with Celtic, of course, for seven years between 2012 and 2019. And in that period, he won eight leagues, four Scottish Cups, four League Cups. Not a bad record for the, the, the big fella. 273 appearances with 21 goals. Um, he did like a goal from, from the right-back position. I actually felt, James, when he left us, that we would have been better served keeping a hold of him for another season because he played right-back in centre-half. And I think that maybe we should have utilised him a wee bit more in the central defensive area. But really just for his, his you know leadership ability, his experience. But of course, he went away for, for pastures new. What's your best memories of the guy that you called a cult hero, Mikael Lustig? The one that stands out is the, the police hat and the 5-0 win. <laughs> Just little things like that. Um, the techno disco celebration and the, was it, I think it was a League Cup semi-final and had that all green kit on. Or yeah. the one that most people would say is in the 5-1 game where he runs past about three or four players, puts in the back of the net, he's shot over his head, running over at the Celtic end. That's when we had the big stand at the time, we had the full stand at the time. So you've got yeah. a full stand going absolutely crazy. I think that is probably the best Mikelistic moment in a Celtic shot. Yeah, he is a, a cult legend for that relationship that he seemed to develop with the Celtic fans. And I love that because there are so many people come and go at a football club, uh, not all homegrown, not all died in the wool, and they don't know the the uh, the motivations and the history and the tapestry of the club. And then you bring somebody in like Mikel Lustig and he just totally buys into it. And then he, bo- he bonds with the Celtic fans through these, these moments with the police hat or the the moment where he puts the jersey over his over his head. Um, there was also uh, moments where he's telling Rangers players they're in his back pocket, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely loved him. Uh, all the absolute... One game where he's looking out with a shirt completely ripped. After he's had a I know. I think it was Andy Halliday or the keeper after the game. I'm not too sure. He looks like an absolute warrior. He's not Yeah. He just loved it. Yeah, and you'd, you'd, you wouldn't mind walking about with your shirt ripped if you had a physique like that, to be fair. Um, but there are players who come into the club and even their, their partners buy into it. I mean, Lustig was one of those. I, I mean, listen, Chris Commons, who played in the, the game against Barcelona, he was one of those players. He, Him and his missus bought into the club. It's just obviously since he's gone into punditry that his relationship with the Celtic fan base has changed a wee bit, James. But I mean, um, just on that note, obviously he played in the game against Barcelona 
he was a bit of a fan's favourite, if you think back to that time. You, you're a kid growing up. Chris Commons was one of the top men in that team. Yeah, he had a, an eye for a big game. I think he scored quite a few goals in the Champions League. The one that sticks out to me was, was it Shakhtar Karagandhi? He scores an absolute thunderbolt in that game. And I think mm-hmm. because we hadn't played Rangers very often, obviously, and being down in the leagues, when we came up against them in the, I can't remember if it was a League Cup or the Scottish Cup, but I think it was a 2 or 3 now win. I think Chris Commons scored in that game. So yeah. when you're not getting very many games against your rivals, these game, the rare games that do happen, the players that score in them are going to stick out in a lot of kids' minds. These these players are going to stick out because these are the big games. Well, you know this, um, that game you, you mentioned there, I, I remember it well because the goal he scored seemed to like, you know, it swerved both ways before it, it went in. And I remember the, the boys always wait that particular game if they're watching Boatsy and a boy called Chet. And we were singing at the end of the game, we shall not be moved. And I always remember, you know, the thing is you're entitled to do that, right? Um, once you've pumped them 3 nothing, And... Uh, Boatsy turning around to me and saying, you know, but we've got to beat Motherwell next next weekend. We went out and Motherwell beat us at Fur Park. And it was just one of the ones, James, where you're just caught up in the moment. We shall not be moved. And then Motherwell beat us, which was horrendous. Um, keen to get your thoughts on all things Celtic. Paddy's back in with that brilliant George Best avatar, Bestie in that centenary strip. I was talking about that centenary year just a minute ago. Paddy Lavery, um, afternoon all. Big afternoon to you as well, sir. Magnet 67, good afternoon, Axom team. Let's not kid ourselves. Would it be allowed by the authorities if a brother of an ex-Celtic player and a guy training Celtic youth players officiated in a Rangers game? No. We will be getting on to the um, subject of refereeing Magnet. And also, the comments made by Ange, which makes up the tagline, I thought, you know, it was bold, it was um, timely for Ange to come out and say something, and he did it in that impeccable Ange style, correct to call out farcical VR decisions, we'll have a wee chat about that, but we're still talking about Champions League for the moment, James, right? So, the Champions League draw um, is made and you see that two of the teams obviously that came first and second in our group, they are drawn against English sides. When you see that, is it a mouth-watering proposition for you or do you think, you know what, it's maybe good at this stage that we bow out because we don't want there to be any big scores um, later on in the rounds and our time will come. It might just not be right, right now. I've not seen the draw. Who was it Leipzig got? So they got Man City. Um, I think Liverpool. Liverpool got Real Madrid. Well, I don't even want to think about the thought of Erling Haaland (laughs) running at our defence. That was absolutely terrifying because Rangers dodged that bullet last year in the Europa League. They were lucky Haaland was injured. But I think, just looking back at the Champions League campaign, I think it would be expected for us to struggle in some of those games, but the thing is, we're still competitive. There was encouraging signs that we can take into next season of the season's going forward. Because I made the point on Twitter a few weeks ago, but when you look at a team like Club Bruges, for example, they took about three or four years of getting hammered year after year after year after year. And in this season, I've gone out of the group. They used the money and the experience they made from the Champions League and progress was eventually made. You've got to take a look at these teams that have been there for years. You've got to stick through it. It's going to be tough, but eventually progress will be made. Finances and the experience the players get, it's going to be a gradual progress. We're not going to take three or four years out and then take it like a duck to water. But there was encouraging signs, which is, I think, what we need to take into the rest of the season and into after a Champions League campaign next season. Absolutely, James. I think the big difference this time round with Ange is that he's communicating with us as the Celtic fan base whereas in the past you know it might have just been right we're being dumped out of Europe again but we're not really seeing what we're going to do differently what what part of the progression are we on at the moment whereas Ange in layman's terms has told us exactly you know where we are and um, to expect a few bumps in the road as, as we go along what do you learn I mean the Barcelona game right Let, let's take that as an example we spoke about that and um I've, I've watched that game so many times and there are Celtic fans I've spoken to who said that, you know, it's great to see the goals and the celebrations and all that, but you wouldn't want to see Celtic playing that way every week, James. Uh, a, it wouldn't always work, but B, you're under the cosh for the, you know, the vast majority of the game. The possession, if you look at that, for example, was it not something like 60-odd percent um, in, in Barcelona's favour and you know, maybe even 70%? 80 
I think it was eighty-eight to twelve or eighty-nine to eleven. It was something oh. absolutely bonkers like that. I know. How how, how enjoy how enjoying is, is that to watch that? Not very. We won the key, we won the key statistic, which is goals scored mm-hmm. in the game. That's all that matters yeah. at the end of the day. Absolutely correct. Um, and you know, when you look at that compared to the way we've approached the games in this campaign, whereby we've played our own game. You know, we're four nothing down against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu, and we're still attacking. And we managed to get a goal. And obviously, the manager comes out and explains why. And that's why I said last week it was more it was more brave than naive because it's not as though we're just we don't know what we're doing and we're naive. Ange does know what he's doing, and he wants to get the training and he wants to get the experience in these players' legs and in their minds so that when the campaign comes round again, um, things will work out differently. Well, that is the plan. Um, we need to speak a wee bit though about the weekend because it was a it was a big weekend for Celtic. I, I mean. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who it was that done the video. Was it Tam Selleck's son? And he's cutting back from the action at Celtic Park to Hugh Keevans. Back to the action. At... I don't know what happened to Hugh Ke- I interviewed him for a Celtic State of Mind a couple of years ago and we spoke about his Celtic upbringing and all this kind of stuff. You know, in his living room, there was a picture of Charlie Tully on the wall next to a picture of the Pope. Uh, and, it, you know, it's almost as if there's a bitterness there. So Celtic are 2-2. Um, we'll talk about how we got to that situation. And then, obviously, uh, we we take the lead. Now, what I did say before the game, I was on the game with Sean Connolly, um, is that when I seen the team lines, I looked at Haksabanovic, I listened to his uh, presser the other week, I think it was you that was speaking to him, actually, James, and he was talking about still trying to fit in at the team, still trying to get match fit, still trying to get sharp, etc., etc. And I think that once we get that, we're going to see the true value at Haksabanovic and we actually um, predicted that he would score a brace or a hat-trick at the weekend he did get a brace what are you making of Haksabanovic and, and his performances he is coming on to a game isn't he? Well, I think it's sort of the unanimous opinion with Celtic fans that they've been impressed with Haksabanovic all that was lacking was he hadn't got the goal to open his account yet and he got not one but two at the weekend I thought he was absolutely phenomenal the two, the two goals they were the first one was a bit of an easier finish, but the second goal I thought was brilliant. The only flick on for Gigi. I thought it's, it's terribly well to get the goal, but hopefully the goals will start flowing now. I think there's been that with a few other players as well. Like Yakimakis, he unfortunately got the injury, but then when as time went on, he came onto a game. He started scoring mm-hmm. goals for fun. I think especially the Champions League, Hank has looked very good in the flashes when he came off the bench. Or even, I think it was Shaq Daraway was one of the games he started. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I thought he was one of our most impressive players in the park. So there's a new player there, and I keep forgetting he's only 23 years old as well. It's, mm-hmm. He looks with the beard he's got, he looks a lot older than he actually is. So <laughs> it's the thing is, with our squad, we've been signing players of that age, 23, 24, and they've still got ages to improve. So we've still mm-hmm. got the best to see out of a lot of our squad, which is going to yeah. be very exciting for years to come. Absolutely. You might notice that when I do that and I change the template in the background, that is because someone else is about to enter the stream. He's in the waiting room. Who will it be? Here we go. Welcome Colin Watt to a Celtic state of mind. How are you, sir? Not too bad. How are you? Are You're you looking good with that away strip, man. That, that is one of the biggest sellers of modern times. Um, and you're, you're wearing it well, as uh, Roderick would say. Now, <laughs> James was saying there about the the quality of Haksabanovich's beard, Colin. Now, I don't know about you guys, right? I'm from Fife. We've got a man from the kind of Stirlingshire area and yourself from Greenock. 
Colin. Um, you would be playing under 12 football and there was always a couple of the guys running about with beards. It was always a strange one, that, eh? Like fully grown beards, fully grown men, but they were playing under 12 football. Is that a Fife thing or was that a Scotland-wide thing? No, I think that was a Scotland-wide thing. There was always somebody that was maybe only in P4 and P5 that had a big, deep voice like this and you knew that he'd maybe hit puberty far too early. They were pretty well developed, let's just yeah. say. Um Age 44, I've still not got a decent side sideburn or uh, moustache or any of that kind of stuff. But listen, we'll not get into that, right? But we're just talking there, Colin. We don't want to miss out on your memories of that famous uh, performance against Barcelona. We beat them 2-1 10 years ago today. Um, I was asking James, will we ever see the likes again? What's your thoughts? Can we compete at that level? I think we'll, we will get back to that level. Um, when you look back to the performances of back in the day um, especially that game I think what you're missing in that current Celtic team is a wee bit of experience at that level when you look back to some of the sort of players that played that day um, it was the kind of the nuances of knowing when to kind of take the foul, knowing when to be clever enough with the ball, knowing when Mm -hmm. to sort of slow the game down and I think that's all that's missing out of that Celtic team at the minute. It's just that experience at that level. Um, memories of that day, I remember travelling up with the Greenock uh, CSC after finishing school. Uh, the Celtic TV cameras were actually down there. What age were you? What age were you at that point? Uh, ten years ago, so I'd have been uh, 18, 19. Uh, Come on, it's not a hard one, mate. You just take 10 off your age. Yeah, I know. I just didn't want to kind of get there. I'm feeling old enough as it is, right? So, 19. Um, Travelling up with the Greenock CSE, they had the um, Celtic TV cameras on, weirdly. Um, I can't remember why. In your were, club? Aye, they were working on a documentary at that point about the fans, uh, sort of the chants of the terrace idea thing and asking me what your favourite um, Celtic chant and stuff was. Um, what were you allowed to say? No, well, I think they'd they kind of cut you out if you'd said anything that wasn't probably PG. Um, but I think that, I think remember watching it back, I think Fields of Laughing Rye was the, the winner um, overall across the fan base. I'm sure there'd have been other songs that could have been chosen, but I thought they would have cut you out if you never said "Hail, Hail the Seltzer here." Ah well, um, so doing that, travel up on the bus, everyone's enjoying themselves. Looking forward to it. Sat next to some random stranger because my brother wasn't old enough to. Um, he wasn't old enough to get a ticket for the Champions League back then. Mom and Dad wouldn't let him travel, um, so. They just kept saying to me, oh, this Barcelona team, they're going to give us a doing, they're going to give us a doing, they're going to give us a doing. I thought, like, mate, will you shut up? And then as Messi stands over the free kick uh, at 1-0, I think he stands over it, just stands over it, and says, this one's going in, mate, it's, it's definitely going in, it's going in. And it goes right into the arms of Fraser Foster, who then punts it up the field, right onto the feet of Tony Watt, and into the back of the net, 2-1. And... Sorry, two nil at that point, and it just was one of the, the greatest nights I can remember. And I was just so delighted that I had it recorded on Sky for when I could go home that night. Just remember that, eh? Being excited to go home and watch it again, Aye. absolutely. Try and spot yourself in the crowd. Uh, Tony Watt, 18 years of age, he scores what became the winning goal that night, 2-1, and uh, he's obviously gone on to a decent enough uh, career domestically. He's been uh, playing his football in England and Belgium as well, and he was part of that Dundee United team at the weekend, wasn't he, Tony? Um, and he's a he's a different beast now when you see how he's developed physically. Uh, lots of upper body strength, I think he's uh, he's done really well actually, and um, he didn't get a touch on the Dundee United goal, but still he, trying he to claim it. Did I? Well, you would, wouldn't you? Um, personally, no, I would duck. I wouldn't want to try and score against Celtic, but um, yeah, he causes a wee bit of, a wee bit of trouble. Uh, but Dundee United uh, overall causes a bit of trouble. Aided and abetted by the referees, and we're going to be talking about that as well. Before we do, though, Colin, I don't want you to miss out. Haksabanovic uh, really coming to the fore now, isn't he? Yeah, I think it's um, again just about getting the, those performances under your belt. Um, you're seeing the fact that he's been given the chance in the, the squad. He's got that quality, but a lot of these players just need that time to bed into the squad. Um, and now he's sort of getting the minutes under his legs. Unfortunately, coming probably at the wrong time because 
we've got that break for the World Cup coming up at the end of this week. So, mm. um, but yeah, good to see him getting involved. Um, he looked absolutely delighted to have scored at the weekend. I don't know if you've ever pulled that wee dance move off in the, the nightclubs of Fife, Paul. Couple of times, mate. Yep. Um, <laughs> of course I have. Listen, uh, at the same time, though, you were talking about chance on a terrace, and uh, James, and I know I've told this story, but every opportunity I get, I do tell it because uh, Colin and I did a gig at the Greenock CSE, uh, best CSE in the world. Prove me wrong. Uh, ladies and gents out there, invite us to your CSE and we'll do an Axon night. Um, and Brian McClare was the man in uh, the chair, uh, as it were. And every single time we go to the Greenock, somebody, I don't know if it's you, Colin, um, writes down on the question card for the second half, what is your favourite Rebel tune, right? And then at half time, we, we, we give all the, the questions from the audience to the ex-player and he goes through and bins all the ones he doesn't want to answer. And most people bin that one for some reason. Brian McClare said, I'll answer anything. I don't even want to see the questions. I will answer any question. So we go out to the second half and we get round to the, the Rebel Tune question. And I say, listen, every time we're in the Greenock, the same person, because it's the same handwriting, asks this question. I didn't really want to ask you this question, Brian. I know you're a big music fan, um, so you can tell me whatever the tune is. Um, I say, because the question is, what is your favourite Rebel tune? But what I'm going to ask you, Brian, what is your favourite song? And his answer was the Merry Ploughboy. So, James, what is your favourite Celtic chant? Um, because, obviously, we've all got our favourites. The Fields Affle and Rye's got a special place in my heart because... I, I kind of remember it's Genesis, you know, a song that, that seemed quite new to the Celtic Terrace in late 80s, early 90s. Um, some people would argue when it, when it was introduced, but I've always loved that song. I used to have it on a tape that my mum brought back from Knock. Remember when your mum and your old granny used to go to Knock every year, come back with loads of Irish tapes? Well, this song was on one of the tapes and I always loved it. Uh, so it is one of my favourites. James, what about yourself? It might be a bit of recency bias. But that new Bella Chalchin is absolutely brilliant. And there's a reason why the fans probably sing it the most out of every song that we have and right now in the stadiums because it's an absolute tune, I think. Yeah, it is. It just it takes a song to grab the imagination of the fan base. Colin, what about yourself? What's your current favourite? Uh, current favourite? Oh, it's difficult. Um, as you say, I'm, I'm picturing you getting the, the tapes back from, from uh, Ireland and it's the... Uh, Daniel O'Donnell singing the fields of Laugh and Rye, but um Why not? Exactly, that's probably what it was. Um uh, the Fields of Laugh and Rye is is one of those ones that, that does resonate and when you hear it um sung on the terrace, it really gets the the crowd going. It's the same when uh, Grace made a bit of a yeah, an impact sure, maybe yeah. three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um it's ones like that that when you hear it on the terrace and you hear everyone joining in. Um, because Celtic ha- Celtic fans are very, very creative. There is lots of great chants that's been created over the years. Some of them stick, some of them don't. Um, for me, the kind of chant that was part of my childhood was You Are My Larson, because that was my hero growing up. And um, you could get away with swearing when you said that one in front of your mum and dad, because it was part of the song at the time. So, um, dearer and the other word that rhymes with that was... Um, very similar and vain, so um, yeah, I, I, lo- I love that one. Great. Do you see the wee boys singing a song to Scott Brown telling him a joke at the weekend there? Superb. Um, yeah, absolutely, but it does link into the fact that there may well be a new song on the terrace and depending on how it works out because we are releasing a charity single, ladies and gentlemen, The Wakes with a Celtic State of Mind and uh, the song is called The Glory and The Dream. We're working on the artwork, we're tweaking it a wee bit here and there, we're hoping to have another couple of voices on it, uh, but that will be released in December in time for Christmas and you can all download it and get us into the charts. It's a shame though, Colin, because back in the day you used to go to Top of the Pops. What happens now? What happens now if you get in the charts? There still is a Top of the Pops sort of Christmas and New Year special. But is there? Uh, nobody pays attention to it anymore. Who presents it? Uh, I think it's that Marvin Humes and his missus. Never heard but of then it. It's, it, it kind of shows the farsity of the way the charts have gone. I'm pretty sure that the last four Christmas number ones have all been about sausage rolls. Is the guy from is it Lad Baby? Um and the last four um Christmas number ones have been about sausage rolls. So we need to put that right. Okay. Uh, so we will be making this available. It, it makes a it just makes it a farce, the, the Christmas it, number one. Don't get me wrong, 
their cause is actually very good. The money that they, they raise for goes to the Trussell Trust and it helps the food banks down south, which is something which is an unfortunate necessary in these day and age. Um, so it's, it's great that it's a charity single, but I mean, it takes away from the sort of excitement of watching all the big bands chasing the Christmas number one. I know, well the big band's in there because the wakes are in there chasing the Christmas number one we're <laughs> going to be pushing it on a 24 hour broadcast around about the middle of December time um, and that's the reason why we're chatting about the glory and the dream Paddy Lavery comes in, you're on the YouTube any chance of bringing the Axe on Friday Night Show back? Possibly, uh, but it will look a wee bit different but on that note Paddy you know, I know you're coming over for the January Axom live event at Gracie's. Completely sold out in six days. Special guest is the aforementioned Brian McClure. Don't know if we'll be getting a rendition of the Merry Plowboy that, that night, Colin. We shall see. Now, our live nights are going to be completely different. It's not going to be a case of ex-player, chair, Q&A. We're going to do it a wee bit differently, but all will be revealed on the night. Um, if you want to come along for the February night, it's just been announced. The link is underneath the video. The tickets are available. Same price, 15 quid. That also gets you um, a, an entry into the prize draw for a big raffle prize on the night. And special guest yet to be confirmed, but they have confirmed. I've just not announced it yet. And um, there is a waiting list of something like 60 from the January night. They're going to be getting an email as well. So we are expecting this to sell out. If you want to get a ticket, come along and see the Axom cult. Be part of the cult. Click on the link underneath. Now, you said something along the lines of VARS earlier on. And that, that is what it's becoming with VAR. I'm going to come to James McKenzie first and foremost. Uh, the next generation, James, may well think of VAR as being part of the game, as it's always been part of the game. We don't. We're watching the rules getting moved and changed and shifted, the introduction of this new technology. I don't have an issue with the technology, um, but the way we're using it in Scotland is pretty farcical. Um, was Ange right? Was it the right time to call it out? Which he did, talking about um, you know, hearts at Tynecastle, etc. I thought he did it in a measured way, but uh, he did drop the bomb at the weekend on the post-match, didn't he? Yeah, they had every right to do so. I'm in the sort of boat where I'm a, I like VR as long as it's not really interrupting the game. So I, th I thought Andrew's very right to cut it because the amount of time they're taking to make these decisions, it's an easy decision to come to just go to the monitor, look at it, and come back and make a decision. Like uh, that, the decision with Bernabe, I'm sure will come to a bit later on, but I'm really not too sure if that's a handball. And if that's the handball, you call back to the Hearts game. James Forrest chips the ball up straight to Michael Smith's hand. But then again, asking for a bit of consistency with refereeing in this country is something that you're never going to get. And there's a reason that quite a few of the managers in the league are speaking up about VR already. And it's only in its infancy. It's only going to get worse as the season gets on, I think. But we'll need to see, that's been described as teething issues, but in a professional game in the top division. There shouldn't be teething issues unless it's right and bang on. Don't bring it into the league. I absolutely agree with that. Now, Colin, the issue I've got with it is um, we could talk about handballs all day and we could compare our decision against Hearts against the one that went um, the other way against London United. And that's what Ange did. And I think he was right to do that because, yeah, it's about consistency, but it's also about you know how the referees are interpreting the rules because yes you, you talk about um, the natural body position Colin right you talk about that but you cannot what is my question is what is a natural body position when you are in full flight trying to win a header it's not the same as somebody running it's not the same as somebody you know the old one where Tony Ralston's a big fan of it where you run to try and block something and the hands are behind your back yeah. and all that stuff what is a natural body position when you're in flight trying to win a header well it's Burnaby and the way to mm -hmm. prove that is the player that was standing next to him for Dundee United facing the other direction it was like a mirror image he's got the exact same body position that's a natural body position when you're in flight but the way that it's been interpreted is all wrong Colin so whereas I love technology that's going to improve any kind of um, workplace and, and obviously any kind of sport brilliant introduce it but as James says we, it looks as though we're not ready or we're not competent enough to see this through at the minute no, Scottish football is absolutely not ready for VAR because VAR is only a tool. It is only something which is supposed to be able to guide and to help 
the understanding of the game. What you need is professional, competent referees to stand up and to look at these decisions and to say, that is a foul, that is a handball, and this is why. And I think when you look at it, we have to do the exact same as what rugby does. We have to go to, when we go to the video assistant referee, it has to be put through the, the microphones as to what they're looking for. It has to be brought up on the screen as to it's slowing down. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Look at it from as many different angles as possible and then give your decision there and then and not just, I mean, Aberdeen versus Hibs. That was a ridiculous amount of time that they were looking at that penalty. So ridiculous that you're giving it all that. The politician's speech, I love it. But when you look at it time and time and time again, see if I look hard enough at a clip of someone singing something, I can see they weren't saying that word, they were saying another word and be offended by it. If you're looking at that foul against um, when David Marshall and I can't remember the boy for Aberdeen who it was, if you look hard enough at that, you will find a penalty kick. But it's only because you've been told to look for the penalty kick that you'll find it. Mm. If you watch that in normal speed and you look at it two or three times and you can't see a clear and obvious penalty then why slow it down? Why look at 17 different angles? It's ridiculous to the point where it's taken four or five minutes to actually get to a decision. That is not improving the match day experience for fans. It's not improving the standard of football in this country. And it's not what VER was brought in to do. You know, you're uh, right. Ange brought that up, didn't he, Colin? The fact yeah. that it, you know it's affecting the, the fans' experience. Uh, we don't want to be waiting all this time. Would, would an, an easier fix, I don't know if there was any red tape preventing this, would an easier fix have been that the actual, the VAR hub, right, that there was some kind of transitional period whereby we're not relying on our brand new refs in, in relation to them just being trained in this technology and we could have perhaps have tapped into a remote, a satellite hub elsewhere for, you know, in a, in a in a league whereby they've been using it for some time. Is that beyond the realms of... I still don't know, Paul, because you take a look at some of the decisions down south and they've had VER introduced now for a long time and some of them are still massively questionable. It comes down to the, the interpretation of the rules by the referee. Mm-hmm. And first of all, Scottish referees are nowhere near good enough. That's just a, a, bo- that's a bottom line fact. When was the last time you've seen a Scottish referee take charge of a, a Champions League game or a Europa League game or even a major European qualifier? They don't get these games because they're not good enough. Out of the bad bunch, you're talking about Willie Collum being the head of Scottish referees. Now, that's not exactly a standard you want to sort of progress to the or show off to the rest of the world. None of them have been called up for the World Cup. None of them. So the, these referees, and I, I've been going on and on and on about this and people disagree with me and say um, they already get paid enough. But I think referees, if you're going to bring in um, stuff like this, then they have to be full-time referees. I agree with that. They cannot be part-time. I do agree with that, 100%. Um, it needs to be a full-time vocation. It needs to be something that, you know, it's not about, um, just filling in because it needs to be your livelihood. Therefore, I, I think that there's a, a bigger responsibility on you as an individual to make sure that that job is done properly. Uh, you can't just then go back to your your um, your solicitors or teachers' role during the week because you know you've got your salary there. Um, so I totally agree with that. Um, I made a point 
leading up to the game, over, pro- probably over the last couple of weeks when when James was um, bumping me off because he had a hangover and Colin was in the Bernabeu. And I made the point that uh, Yakimakis seems to get half-time domestically from the refs. You know, and I was comparing, his, his game doesn't change, be that domestically or in Europe, but the outcome in terms of the amount of free kicks that he gets or gives away definitely does. And he was at the centre of one of the big the big talking points at the weekend, James. Uh, talk to me about the Sybil versus Yakamakis high boot. Um, and having watched that uh, from every conceivable angle, as Colin says, it looks worse. <laughs> Yet nothing happens. The guy doesn't even get a booking. I mean, it, it is pretty farcical when you watch when you watch that game and, and you look at that in, in isolation, that particular moment. Yeah, if you were to ask me to show you a red card instant, I would show you that Craig Sibbald boot on Yakimakis. It's absolutely ridiculous how that isn't a red card in any other game on any other player. I'm pretty sure that is a red card. And I think you're bang on with that assessment, Yakimakis getting a bit of a hard treatment. I think it's because he's a bigger guy when they see him go down sort of when he's trying to run through, because we know how he plays his game, sort of giving the defender a little nudge, getting stuck in about them. They always seem to favour the defender. Because it's like when they both players go down, because Giacomacus is the bigger man, I think referee's just like, right, the bigger guys fell on the smaller guy, that's he's come out of the foul. When nine times out of ten, they've got their arms wrapped around them or something like that. It, it does really seem to get a hard time. But on that decision, it's a pretty clear red card. I don't know how totally. they didn't come to that conclusion. Damn, it's, it's incredible. Getting another chance. VL. Yeah. They get another opportunity, James, to look at it and they still come to the same conclusion, which is wild. By the way, um, I know that there was lots of memes and lots of shared videos in and around um, James Brown at the weekend. And the one that I liked the most, I know this will appeal to you, uh, Colin, is obviously the James Brown doll that used to Mm -hmm. get wheeled out. Uh, We've got one of them in the studio, right? So I came in and we've actually got one of them. The, the dolls in the studio and I was going to play it live on the broadcast but you know what it's out of batteries so <laughs> after this broadcast I'm going to go nip out grab a coffee grab some batteries and I'll just fire it up on my page and you'll know the relevance of that Colin what's your thoughts about Yakimakis the treatment he gets domestically he doesn't get away with anything you know a bit of physicality I'm not talking that he's, he's bundling into players but if you go shoulder to shoulder in Europe or you know, he goes shoulder to shoulder in, in the domestic game. The outcome is always different. That's how I feel. Do you remember back to when we had players of the similar build uh, playing for us, the guys like um, George Samaras or uh, John Hartson, big big guys like that, and uh, big Jan Venegura Hesslink, where mm. that this would be the same thing when they came into Scottish football and they were told, you have to get smarter. You have to learn how to... Um, buy into the referees over here and get them to be on your side because right away you're seen as the big tall influencing um, character who is potentially picking on the the sort of younger, weaker um, players that they've got here in Scotland because you're the big dominant character. Now it took Big Hartson, what, about a season and a half before he could actually be smart enough to learn how to get the fouls and to, to use his body strength to his advantage. Giacomacchus is getting there as well, I think. Um, it's, it shouldn't have to be that you can't play your natural game because this is Scottish football. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous at times that depending on whoever the bigger player is, they seem to be the cause of the foul. And that red card decision at the weekend the fact that he's not even given a foul for that first of all his foot is massively high when he connects with the ball his foot must be just about underneath Giacomacchus' face when he connects with the ball Mm -hmm. and then the follow through catches him that's what they're looking at they're not looking at whether he won the ball or not he's looking at the follow through and if you can't see that that follow through catches Giacomacchus pretty much thigh high then you shouldn't be a referee in Scottish football it's getting ridiculous now. I mean, what, the fact that he wasn't even called over to look at it on the monitor says a lot. But again, and I've seen a lot of people say this in the comments section as well, how many times have you seen the referee being called over to the monitor and then just confirmed what they've been have to say? None of them have the guts to sort of look at it and say, no, my original decision was correct. 
You'll look at that camera and say, right, I've made a, a pig's ear of this. It's almost as if the minute they get to, to do the review, Colin, they're being told that the decision is, is different. And they, as you say, it takes a brave, it takes a bit of bravery to go against yeah. that. But, you you know, um, the thing that I found quite funny is that all the Celtic fans were also tuning into the, the VAR footage. I don't know if we need to buy one of the passport booths so that you can go and do it in private. <laughs> Sit down and watch the footage. Uh, Pete McGee, Jinky and Henrik wore seven. My lucky number is seven. Today is the seventh. It's his birthday and we're seven points clear. There is a pattern. I'm not quite sure what it is, Pete, that you're getting it there, mate. But yeah, there is a pattern. And happy birthday. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we are seven points clear. It's incredible how things can swing in the Scottish game. Um, up the top and uh, we've also got Michael McDonald coming in on YouTube the most interesting comment Ange made let's get on to this then about Saturday's game why he made that change at half time um, at half time Sean and I spoke about it we said it wouldn't surprise us if we brought Bernabe off for the very fact that he had been you know I'll tell you what he felt pretty aggrieved and, and rightly so that he got a booking for that um preposterous handball decision uh, and then all it would have taken James is a slightly mistimed tackle and it gives the referee a decision to make and unfortunately at this moment in time the way things are going I think they would go um, the way of giving him a second booking and must have thought the same Taylor comes on but it, it, it really disrupted the, the, the flow of our game didn't it that decision against Burnaby yeah it looked like we were sort of a bit hesitant to try and maybe go in a bit but I thought Burnaby coming off was the right decision. And I think when Greg Taylor came on, he really showed his quality, showed why he's the best left back at the club at the moment. And that's not to knock Burnaby's performance. I didn't think he was bad or anything. I thought it was just an all right performance. But Greg Taylor showed why he is the club's starting left back and why it's going to take a lot for Burnaby to displace him. Is that he's come on leaps and bounds this season, Greg Taylor. And I was one of his harshest critics, even as far as the summer, you might remember, I was pretty critical of him for European games and Rangers games, which were, coincidentally, the games that he shined the most in this season. I think mm -hmm. it wouldn't be a far cry to have Greg Taylor as the front runner for player of the season so far this season. He's been the most consistent player in the squad for me, I think, and made the right decision with that substitution. Yeah, for sure. Uh, two things then, Colin. Well, three, if you throw in the fact that Taylor's performances have probably got him right up there um, as our best performer so far, Colin. I think you've been a fan for some time. Mm -hmm. yeah. You mentioned that uh, recently. But Bernabe gets the start, and I think that our flow was disrupted by the decision that was made by the ref. But Bernabe was, you know, he, he was basically in a, in a scenario where um, I'm not saying he lost it, but, you know, he obviously felt aggrieved. Um, and then Ange's taking him off, probably a combination of that and the fact that given another decision and he gets a red card and that can really change the game. Um, and again, it was, a, it was a ridiculous decision. So where are you at the moment with our, our left back, Greg Taylor's performances and Ange's decision at the weekend to take Bernabe off at half time? It makes 100% sense. Um Considering the fact that we are going through this sort of rotational period where there were seven changes from the game against Madrid there at the weekend, against Motherwell on Wednesday night, I'm pretty sure we'll make a handful of changes again. And then obviously Ross County on Saturday, I can see there being again another five or six changes. It, it just makes sense to have that ability to keep the players fresh, keep them fit, keep them available for selection. Mm -hmm. uh, because as you say, if Bernabe had been sent off, then Greg Taylor would have probably had to go through the last couple of games. It's a tricky trip on uh, Wednesday night down to Fur Park, um, and then obviously you've got Ross County on on Sunday and uh, sorry Saturday, and you just want the the ability to have those extra players in the squad so that if the game's not going your way, you can turn to the bench and bring on these players. Um, whereas if you've not got the option there, you've got to see the guys through the ninety minutes. Um, it, it, it's common sense and it's good to see that Ange is um, he's, he's well aware of that he, he knows how to do squad management uh, very carefully it's taken him a bit of time I think when he goes back and he'll notice he's made mistakes before but he's learned from them he's made sure that he brought in the sort of right type of players rested the right type of players I mean that decision to rest Cameron Carter Vickers against Real Madrid was probably very very wise in hindsight Mm -hmm. Although, yeah, we got doing over there. Jens didn't look comfortable. Saffield didn't look comfortable. The focus was back on the league. The focus was in the domestic game. 
Yeah. Um, and then you, you see the likes of Jota at the weekend looking very good. Taksabanovic, as we spoke about before. Uh, David Turnbull didn't really take his chance, I think, on on uh, Saturday, but he'll maybe get another chance again next Saturday against Ross County. It, it's good just to see these players coming in because you think back to this time last year, and this is where we started to pick up these annoying and frustrating injuries, mm-hmm. which was reduced to the bare bones. But the players that are getting the chances are the players that are stepping up and taking their chances. You can see how much it means to them. I mean, nobody can tell me there wasn't a happier man in Celtic Park than Lee Labada when he put that ball over the goalkeeper on Saturday. I mean, his celebration was just incredible. I mean, he needs to learn to keep his top one because he's going to end up getting suspended. But, I mean, just jumping up in front of the fans, he just looked the happiest man in Parkhead. He did. It was a it was a tremendous finish, wasn't it? Um, Liam Devine, what a time to be alive. Absolutely love a bit of positivity on a Monday. Dell. when did James move into Harry Potter's room under the stairs? <laughs> Listen, I don't know because I've never once read a Harry Potter book or seen a Harry Potter what? movie. Not once. I'm nah, never, sorry, I'm mate. It just went like that. Shh, right. Totally exactly. over my head. So, does it look like Harry Potter's wee room? I'm not sure. It's um, a wee bit bigger. Yeah, Brendan Monaghan, hail hail from the Netherlands. If you haven't heard Brendan's tunes, get them checked out on YouTube and on Facebook as well. Ian McMonagall as well, you're back in on the YouTube. What a wonderful Monday it is. You can feel the positivity flowing through the comments section. And and Pete, when you reach my advanced age, every day is a good day to be alive. As I was saying before, Pete, you enjoy your day, pal. Seven points clear, absolutely. Um, and here we go, Brian O'Neill. Uh, hail, hail, folks. Great to log into another great debate on the team we love to follow. And that's what it is. It's all about debate. Uh, come in. Let us know if you disagree or agree with us uh, on any of the, point, the points that we've been discussing so far. There's loads more to talk about. Um, I want to have a wee chat about Kyogo, gentlemen, because um, A, he was getting a bit of stick about his form. Um, we have discussed on Axom a few times whether or not he covered himself in glory in the Champions League. He didn't set the place alight. Uh, is the way that we might have expected him to be last year. He was one of our top, top players. And of course, he misses out on the World Cup, James, but um, you see moments like that at the weekend where he scores the goal. It means so much to him. Um, And you think to yourself, let's not write him off. He's a top scorer in Scottish football, is he not, at the minute? Um, Scottish Premiership, anyway. Either him or Majofsky, one of the two. But just on Kyogo, he was as lively as ever when he came on. Instinctive. Just every word you would use to describe Kyogo, that's what he showed. I think when you mentioned the Champions League campaign and how we sort of struggled there, you can't forget that his domestic campaign that coincided with it was disrupted through injury. He had a few injuries in that time as well. Yeah, Kamakis yeah. was a striker that started the majority of the games, but when Kyogo did come on, he didn't really make a difference in the Champions League games. I don't know if that's because he's never played in Europe, but a lot of the players in our squad have never played in Europe. But going back to the game against Dundee United at the weekend, I thought Kyogo made he made a real difference. He was a difference mm-hmm. maker. I think he might rival Leo Abada for the happiest man in Celtic Park. I think Kyogo might be the happiest man in every room that he walks in. But he was absolutely brilliant when he came on. And I thought Abada was brilliant as well. The lob, would it be too far to say Larson-esque? I think it might be. <laughs> But what the point I'm trying to make is it was a fantastic chip from Abada. And he loves a goal against Dundee United, especially a late goal that puts us mm-hmm. a couple more points clear at the top of the table. He loves those sort of goals. He definitely does, doesn't he? I mean, Kyogo, uh, Colin, I've never written him off. A, a player doesn't uh, go from the performances of last season. And some saying the performances were Larson-esque, particularly the, the goals in the League Cup final, um, to a bad player. It doesn't happen overnight. I, do think that he will share our disappointment with his performances in the Champions League, but you know it is a learning process. Even though he's a wee bit more advanced in terms of his development at 27, um, he's not used to playing at that level. Colin, he comes in, he does the business against Dundee United again, and um, you know he is he is one of our top top players. Let's not forget that. That that is really the point I'm making, Colin. He's he's come in for a lot of criticism, but do you think? You were talking about being down to the bare bones. You're talking Joey Dawson bones. You know that that's mm. how bare it was, and that was because Kyogo got injured against St Johnston. Um, how important is Kyogo going to be? Do we also need another uh, player in that position come January? Um, I don't think it would uh, it wouldn't hinder us to go and do that. 
to bring in someone, even if it's on a, a short-term basis between uh, January and the end of the season. Um, I think what you will see, though, is this winter window, whether it kicks off around about the, the World Cup, because I think we'll probably do a lot of our business during then, although you can't officially sign, you can get the deal sort of tied up and ready to be confirmed very much like we did do uh, this time last year. Um, I think we will look at the, the Far East market. Um, it is a market that Ange Postacoglu knows very well um, and he will have his targets in mind already as to who he wants to bring in. Obviously, he's looking at a centre-half um, that we've already kind of spoken about, um, whether that be that he'll come in and you'll maybe see the likes of um, Stephen Welsh going out on loan, um, like we've previously spoken about. Mm. A striker coming in, wouldn't be the worst idea. Obviously, Dyson Maeda came in this time last year and we're thinking he's going to be the third-choice striker. We're seeing he's probably now more of a winger um, and he would probably be suited more out on the, the, the sort of the flanks. An out-and-out striker to play behind uh, sort of Kielgård, Giacomakis, especially with the amount of games we're still going to have after um, this World Cup break, it would just be... It, it would make sense. We've got the ability to do so. We've got the cash in the bank. We've got um, the, the funds to go and do that. So getting someone with a bit of experience and especially if we do pick up an injury, this is the time to do it. This is the time to bulk your squad out to make sure that you've got cover in every position. Uh, and I think the the striking department is the one we're probably not got the most amount of covering at the minute. Yeah, you can see Abada can play through the middle or Maeda can play through the middle, but they've not really um, shown to be that that's their natural position. You don't want to have to turn to them the same way that we did last year. Um, and I think that we'll probably look at bringing in another central midfielder as well, um, because I can see someone like James McCarthy leaving as well. So it might not be a lot of signings. It might be another three or four, but it could be just enough to get the, the, the title over the line. And that's the most important thing because that prize pot of £40 million is once again in our grasp. And I heard James talking earlier about uh, teams like Club Bruges and how they've been able to reinvest properly. Mm -hmm. This is Celtic's opportunity to go out and do that and to actually be there and make the advancements that we've never been able to do before and we've never been able to strengthen from a position of strength. This is our chance to change the history books. Listen, there's a few interesting things that uh, Colin has said there, James, that I want to throw over to you, right? So first of all, we're talking about getting over the line, right? And I think that has been the mentality of the board for a while. Get over the line domestically, win that league. Um, and that, that obviously is fair play because it does. It opens up the, the door to a, an income stream, which is one of the biggest that we can possibly hope for in Scottish football, and that's the Champions League riches. Um, although the £40 million, um, as to be noted, is something that, you know, isn't the figure, is it, really? You know, once you look at the books, it, the, the figure is going to be different. But however, mm. that's always a figure that's floated about. Or do you look at the Jan tran January transfer window, James, and you think we're not buying to get us over the line, we're buying for next season? Because that was what we always spoke about, isn't it? Buying in a transfer window, not just for the immediacy of the player, but for the, the following pre-season. And it's something we haven't done that much of in January. It was so impressive to see that we did it differently last January. We've already, it would appear, signed uh, Yuki Kobayashi, it looks like it's a free transfer, so we're not, you know, yeah, um, affecting the, the funds. Yeah, I mean, in terms of what, what you do, I think Colin makes a good point. James McCarthy, I think the situation is different with him now that we're out of Europe. Um, and then up top, I do want a, another striker. However, going uh, on the point Colin made, getting over the line, if that's the board's mentality of getting over the line, then they will point to the fact that we've got a World Cup player in, in Maeda who who will probably, if he appears, play centre-forward in the World Cup. Why do we need another centre-forward? How do you think we'll play this in January? Because the signs are there. Colin has covered it there. The signs could be that we, we could go either way. Yeah, I'd like us to... We, if there are bodies that we need to get in to get us over the line, get them in. Like, last January, we needed a new centre midfielder, maybe even a couple. And we got Idiguchi Hatati and Matt O'Reilly. 
And those players, Hatati and O'Reilly, have gone from when they signed, sure most thought they were going to be rotation players, another body to make up the numbers. But as the season's gone on, as we we go into a Champions League campaign with Hatati and O'Reilly as our two starting centre midfielders, if we yeah. can do something similar to that in January, you're getting the numbers that you want to make up, but with quality as well that can improve the squad. Because I think there's going to be a point where players will leave Celtic, players will leave their squad, and alluded to the AGM, players mm. are going to leave some of the sort of higher quality, higher value players in our team. So when they leave, you want a ready-made replacement right there. A ready-made replacement for a Matt O'Reilly or a Shaw if they were to leave. So if we could do something like that, I would be very happy with the January transfer window. I've yeah. seen, seen some people in the comments section as well, Paul, mentioning the likes of the younger players, and I think if we are able to continue the form that we're doing just now and we can build that gap towards the second half of the season then I think we will see some of the younger players given the opportunity uh, I mean the, the one that a lot of people were mentioning in the comments section was Rocco Vata yeah. now it's worth mentioning that Rocco Vata is not a forward he's a winger he plays on the, the sort of the left hand side or the, the right hand side I watched the Celtic B team play uh, Real Madrid in the uh, fantastic Estadio de St- Alfredo de Stefano Stadium over in Madrid. A, a unbelievable wee stadium for a, a B team. Um, and it was both him and Bruno Davidson that was playing on the wings. And Vata was sort of isolated a lot because of the quality of the, the players that they were playing. Um, and Adam Brooks was the striker that day for Celtic and he managed to get the goal. Um, Vata has impressed obviously he's playing at a very high level for his, his country as well he scored a hat-trick against um, open goal the other day um, so look he'll probably be one of the ones that comes into it um, I think there'll be others in there I thought uh, Liz Souza in midfield looked a very impressive prospect and guys like Ben McPherson um, at sort of the fullback areas these guys might make the opportunity and the the fact was last year they probably weren't ready for it but now that they've had this second year under their belt of playing at this level if we continue to build this gap that we have in between us and the team that will finish second then I think they will get the chance this year it was just too little sorry too much too soon I think this time last year especially when the title almost kind of went down to the second last day I agree with that. And I think it would be great to get uh, some game time into Rocco Vata's legs because I don't want a, a Ben Doak scenario to develop yeah. with Rocco Vata. There's obviously going to be interest in the player. He's developed so, so well. And as Colin rightly says, also international level on the underage uh, circuit. David McGonagall, we never went toe-to-toe with Barca. They battered us. Big Foster had the game of his life. That is a good point. And that is the difference, I guess, between what Angie's trying to do and what we did in the past to try and get these results. It was a completely different game plan, wasn't it? Um, Dave H, the time it takes is nonsense, talking about VAR here. And refs are using it as a leveller. No way would we have gotten the penalty like United got I'm not disagreeing with that for a second now yeah, underneath look back, look back two weeks look back two weeks uh, and you'll be proven right you're right there, there's your evidence we didn't get a, a even more clean cut penalty decision against Hearts I'm going to play this um, yeah he did and you know the way that he did it in, in that impeccable manner that Ange has um, I think he'd done really really well to call it out the way that he did um, I've already spoken about underneath this video there is a link to our big Axon night out in Gracie's in February special guest to be announced you're going to really enjoy these nights um, we also have friends who if you watch the channel at A State of Minds and if you don't get on there and subscribe please um, they were on the channel a while back a young Scottish entrepreneur who certainly does share our Celtic State of mind, um, designed and developed his own range of watches. Where do you start with this kind of thing, Colin? You know, if the missus asked me to make lunch, that sounds like a very difficult proposition. But this guy actually made watches, a whole range of watches. And his latest one, let's have a wee look at this bad boy, his latest one um, is definitely something that would be suited to the Celtic fan base, wouldn't you say? Check that out. Beautiful. It's just coming up to Christmas. If you want to buy that for just over 100 quid, you can get 15% off by using the discount code Paul John Dykes. Now, I didn't 
I didn't demand that my name was used in that, by the way, for anyone who, anyone who thinks I'm an egomaniac, megalomaniac. No, I didn't decide on that. But click the link underneath if you want to buy that as a gift. They are beautiful. They come in steel or silicon straps. And uh, there's loads more little uh, links underneath the video. If you want to support people like Jim Orr with his new play, Bend It Like Bertie, you do have that link underneath the video as well. And very, very soon, you'll be able to download our single, um, which I will share with you uh, over the next few weeks once we get the final mix in as well. Have any of you guys heard it, by the way? No. no. Wait, I got a wee preview. I think we might have to send you a wee preview on that just so that you can let us know what you think. Uh, next week, you can tell us what you think. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. I've said already before, get yourself um, onto the YouTube channel. Uh, get yourself onto the YouTube channel and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Hopefully we can get to 20,000 by the end of the year. It's doable. We're on 19.8,000 at the moment. Subscribe to the channel. Thank you once again, James McKenzie and Colin Watt for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.